Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Jordan, the Rams are five and six. What? They're not, they're not terrible. <laughs> you know In what, fact, Jordan? They're, I, al- they're almost medium. <laughs> <laughs> medium rare right now. Um Here's what I thought while I was watching the game, and I, I want to get you because obviously you're there and you have a you can ho- have a totally different perspective on this uh, as somebody watching compared to somebody watching at home. But you know, I watch these games, Jordan. We don't watch them as fans, obviously, but we watch them as from a certain perspective. You're covering the Rams, obviously. I'm doing this podcast w- episode with you, so I'm watching it from a certain perspective. And I watched that entire game, and I just thought, you never want to say that an NFL game is easy because that's that's a terrible thing to say. But watching that game from the Rams' perspective, it just felt like it was on cruise control for the entire game. Even when they were trailing 8-7 to for a little bit there, it never felt to me like the game was in any type of danger. Uh, I thought they played very well. I thought the play calling was very good. I know we're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, All phases of the game, eh, kicking eh, a little bit off there, but... I mean, did did it feel that way to you, Jordan, as you're watching it? Usually there's some kind of tension in the game where you kind of feel like, ooh, there's a there's a moment here or, you know, things are getting really tight. And I just watched that game thinking like there was never a moment where I thought the Rams were really in danger. There were two moments where I felt like they could have let it get away from them a little. One was on that first scoring drive that they had when Cooper Cup came up limping after that first drive, uh, after a a play he made near the end of that scoring drive. Then he got retaped and he came back in the game and they he folded right back into the game plan as really as intended coming in. I mean, I think in a perfect world, they would have liked for him to get a couple of more looks in the passing game. But really, they went into this game understanding that they were going to need to run the ball really effectively and also lean on some of their quick game, some of their short game, which we'll get to in a minute. And when that's the case, some of the receivers, their work is really away from the ball. And so Cooper Cup kind of folded seamlessly back in as as his his wont to do usually. Um, if he's not sort of the the key role player in that offense, he he's really at this point in his career as a veteran, as someone who's pretty team first, um, as as well as the other receivers on, on that roster, they really folded in seamlessly to that plan. So that was uh, a could be hiccup that wasn't. And then the other one was. When there was a penalty, um, Kobe Turner was flagged for lining up over the center. And so then the Cardinals got a chance to go for the two-point conversion and and were successful in that. Um, On their first scoring drive of the game, the the defense could have sort of fallen apart at that point. But not only did Kobe Turner recover and rally extremely well, Sean McVay called him out in his press conference in a positive way for recovering well from that, but then also incredibly productive, not just from... Kobe with two sacks and and a lot of really solid help against the run, 
but also, um, you know, the, the entire defense as a whole allowed 29 net yards by the Cardinals offense to the rest of that first half and held them to about 161 net yards before garbage time started midway through the fourth quarter, including no, and I'm talking about the starting offense, no more touchdowns uh, and and really uh, a shutout of points <laughs> as well, essentially. Um, it, it just essentially, um, other than when garbage time started about halfway through the fourth quarter and reserves came in. So those were two spots where this is a Rams team that, um, maybe if they hadn't already been through some of the, the, the bumps that they've been through earlier this season, those are areas where this could have gotten away from them a little bit. And it didn't, this instead was a team that, like you said, stayed together, was super collected, collected, and poise. And what I thought was interesting is it was apparent from the jump. You know, you mentioned cruise control. Um, there was a, uh, the players kind of call something like that, a flow state. There was a flow state where they felt locked in. They felt like they could anticipate and understand what the calls were, what the game, how the game was going and, and what the plan was. And they could anticipate what they would hear and get from Sean, vice versa. He could hear and anticipate what he would get from his players in terms of the execution and what was setting them up to be successful. And Cooper Cup mentioned this to me after the game. He said, um, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, how it is so you can really feel when the the play caller is locked in like that. And um, to me, looking at it from obviously the press box view and then kind of dicing through a little bit, we're recording on a Monday morning on the 27th and dicing through just a little bit of the All-22 so far, um, you know, that it, it was really, really impressive how collected this team was. The opponent factors in, obviously, but the Cardinals also are a little bit of a chaos defense where they throw things that you haven't seen at you before. Matthew Stafford has mentioned this both times this year, playing Jonathan Gannon's Cardinals defense, Nick Rallis's Cardinals defense, that they'll throw stuff at you that you haven't really seen. And so they're poised and staying collected. So much of that has to do with running the ball as effectively as they did, but a lot of that has to do with the lessons they've learned so far in this season and also um, being really connected from the play caller through the through the assistant coaches and into the players and vice versa. Yeah, it connected seems like a, a great word there. That that really came across in in watching the game, and, and it wasn't perfect, by the way. Uh, I mean, there's there's a pretty bad interception in there, which I'm I'm not totally even sure what happened on on that play, but uh, but that could have you know, but that led to points going. Actually, it didn't lead to points going the other way because they had that penalty, but it could have led to points going the other way. And then you know, you you leave a field goal off the board, you leave an extra point off the board. So I mean, it, it could have been an even wider margin uh, than it was, and. And let's be fair here. It needs to be said. This is the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, this is not the <laughs> not the Philadelphia Eagles they were playing on on Sunday afternoon. But that, that's almost beside the point to me because we're not talking about you know the fact that oh it was a certain point spread or whatever. It's the way that they played and the way that they looked and like you said, Jordan, the way that that defense responded. You watch the first drive and you think, uh oh, this is going to be a long day. And then they respond with three three and outs uh, consecutively. And for much of the game, Kyron Williams outgained the Arizona Cardinals, which is uh, something to to. Really Really behold Jordan. So um, I, I just thought it was a real good flow. You know, we talk about Sean McVay's play calling sometimes, and I'm just not talking about running the ball like, oh, they need to run the ball more. It looked like a good plan to me, and mm -hmm. it was not predictable. Even some of the screen passes that they threw. Sometimes you 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 know watch the start of plays and you think oh this is going to be an obvious screen pass. He mixed it up very well. I didn't see a lot of them coming. Uh, Matthew Stafford was in good control. Other than like I said that interception, uh, Tyler Higby playing a big role. Uh, you know, two huge touchdown catches. Uh, just that balance across the board. 
Jordan Fuller. Jordan, what did they feed Jordan Fuller before <laughs> the game? I mean, how many how many passes did that guy break up? I mean, I was noting them on my on my notepad here, but I, there must have been three or four like really really solid pass breakups there. Yeah, he had four pass breakups. Uh, there were some jokes up in the press box that he was making up for Ohio State's woes over the weekend against Michigan uh, by himself, <laughs> sort of putting the team on his shoulders at that point. But uh, yeah, Jordan Fuller had a really, really impressive game. He was due. You could see him getting close. He's forced three fumbles through the course of the season, and obviously he's played pretty much every snap for this defense so far. Um, I was really, really imp- impressed by how he and Ernest Jones and Kobe Turner and Aaron Donald, obviously almost always goes without saying, really stayed collected, stayed calm. Akella Witherspoon and Darion Kendrick. Darion Kendrick has more loudly last week, but quietly this week. They've He's had two of his best games as a Ram on the outside. Akella Witherspoon has really been showing up all year. He had three pass breakups. So the Rams entered uh, week, uh, let's see, week 11 against Seattle, they entered at like the worst in the league and getting their hands on the ball, 29 pass breakups. It it was tied among the worst in the, in the NFL at that point, they record, they've recorded 17 pass breakups in their last two games, 17 pass breakups in their last two games, which is first in the NFL over that span. And also vaulted them up to like number 18 in the league and pass breakups from the bottom of the league over so what, a what two do you, week what, span. What do you think's going on there? Is that a point of emphasis or is that just guys making plays? I think it's, well, you, it's like we love to say, multiple things being true at the same time. Uh, some of it's opponent, obviously. But I think that when you get, when you're doing it not just against um, the Cardinals, but you're also doing it against a quality opponent. They've had some tough times here recently, but a quality opponent such as the Seahawks with a quality quarterback who's playing de- su- decent to above average to even really good football through the course of the year. You know, that's a sign of a young team that's getting better. That's a sign of players feeling more comfortable in their roles. There's been some shuffling with the safety group. They've been a lot more aggressive with the way that they're deploying their sub packages. They're deploying a four safety uh, sub package in in their dime instead of uh, one corner and and one safety or two extra corners. Now you'll see when Quentin Lake was healthy, he was inactive for this game because he's got a hamstring injury. But when he was healthy, you'd see him and Russ Yeast on the field in their dime package instead of doubling up on the corners. Part of that was due to injury, but they found a way to be more aggressive. And so when Kobe Durant comes back in, they're still running the same types of coverages out of that dime sub package, except he's playing a little bit of a corner safety where Quentin Lake was playing safety corner. Russ Yeast was playing safety corner and sort of that hybrid role. Russ Yeast playing a little dime linebacker this last week, got his hands on a ball. You know, it's it's really interesting. They are they, they rotate a lot through that first scripted series. And it's fascinating to me because it's almost like they're figuring with that with all the rotations that they have in those first in that first drive from the opponents. So There's always a scripted drive. It's almost like they're trying to figure out what sticks. They're troubleshooting uh, on that drive, and then all of a sudden you see them sort of clamp down. The last two weeks, it's been really, really imp- apparent how they've clamped down. I mean, just remarkable the way that they adjusted. Um, in order to limit the the production, not just the scoring, but the overall production. I mean, I was tracking the the possessions after that first 75-yard eight-play scoring drive from Arizona, and it went like three and out to punt, three and out to punt, turnover on downs, punt, and then a penalty nullified their field goal at the end. Um, it just was, it was fa- fascinating to me the way that they have adjusted and then they clamp down they get really aggressive with their coverage structures i think jordan fuller 
is really coming into his own, not just as a leader, but also as, as a playmaker, somebody who's actually um, making plays on the ball versus being sort of that, just that safety net player in the, in the deep parts of the field. Um, some of the passes he broke up yesterday, one of them was two of them, I believe were, were real deep shots down the field that really yeah. prevented uh, explosive plays from happening. And it's just, it's just uh, that awareness and that understanding and guys, guys understanding their roles and where they need to be. And Kobe Turner said something really interesting to me, and I, w- w- this will throw us back onto the offense here, Rich. Kobe Turner said to me after the game that because the offense now, they didn't, uh, the, the the first two drives that the Rams offense had, I believe, I'm not looking at it right now, but I believe were eight plays a piece, right? And uh, they were, the, yeah, the first one was nine. The nine, second one was, it's like nine uh, and eight or something. Also, like yeah, I think both were nine. Nine and nine, eight and eight, yeah. some, something like that. And they were uh, running the ball effectively early in that game. And Kobe Turner told me that regardless of whether or not there was production from the offense in those opening drives, the fact that they were sustaining those drives gave the defense every position group time to sit on the sideline with their coaches and with Raheem Morris, look at the tablet and study every single play on the other side of that first opening Cardinals drive, which then in turn helped them make the necessary and very specific adjustments because there was time to communicate them. Now, we always talk about complementary football. We always talk about how this defense is built to complement this offense. That is the first time that a player has given me such a crystallized and tangible example of what it can mean to play complementary football. That is a specific example. You literally have the time to ideate and discern with enough time to communicate and understand all with a young group of players, all the adjustments for every single play that the opponent just ran on you on the tablet with the film going back over the film multiple times because the offense is sustaining drives on the other side. Kobe Turner said, oh, we looked, we looked up and they're still out there running the ball. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not just about giving the defense rest. It's about also understanding that is that is valuable time that they are workshopping, troubleshooting, and communicating what the plan is moving forward. And it is not a coincidence that when the Rams are not sustaining drives, the defense seems like it's a, playing a little bit more conservatively. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's super interesting, Jordan. And that I, I do track the, the, the drives that that had not occurred to me until you, you just said that. But you're right. I mean, obviously, there's the, the opening touchdown drive, but then the, the second drive did not result in anything other than a punt. Um, and that was nine plays. And, and then they came back and it was a touchdown drive after that. That was 
that was uh, eight plays. And then uh, Arizona went three and out. The Rams got the ball back, and that was the drive that they missed the 50-yard field goal. But again, uh, nine plays drive. Um, and then another Arizona three and out. So you can actually see that playing out just as Kobe Turner is describing it. And, and long drives, too. I mean, we're talking about f- uh, five minutes, uh, four and a half minutes, uh, more than five minutes. So, I mean, these are these are big chunks of time where, like you said, guys are able to rest and regroup and, and analyze. So uh, that's very interesting to track. I mean, that'll be something to look at, uh, something I, b- I will be looking at going forward to see uh, kind of how that uh, plays itself out. But yeah, transitions nicely, Jordan. Kyron Williams. And uh, loved your column today, your story uh, last night, actually. I read it last night. Um, Thanks, that, uh, <laughs> Yes, that, uh, that, you know, goes into obviously a lot of different aspects of the game, but really, I think, kind of captured uh, Kyron Williams very well and, and kind of what his struggle has been like in this difficult season with injuries, the great attitude that, that he has had. So it uh, leaves you feeling real good for somebody like that who comes back. Um, but wow, uh, it just uh, you, you can see that. Jordan, I have an idea, by the way. Uh, and, and, you know, I, 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 I don't share these ideas lightly, but I, I decided that when I when I run an NFL team, which you know when, will definitely when yeah, will definitely NFL happen team. sooner than later. Yeah. I'm just trying to find uh, you know me and uh, Jim Harbaugh are just trying to find our right situations right now. <laughs> but um, four four running backs uh, and you, and you just rotate them throughout the year like that. That's that's all. Just it's you know fresh. everybody go on everybody, in. Everybody, <laughs> yeah, of course I'm joking here, but like you you see I see the difference and and maybe it's coincidental at times, maybe it isn't, but I just look at, you know, they 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 brought in Royce Freeman and the way that he played, Ronnie Rivers comes in, plays the way they bring back Daryl Henderson, he looks dynamic. Then you bring back Kyron Williams and so I I understand there's probably a, like a natural adrenaline that goes along with it too, like oh I'm finally getting my opportunity after all this time. But man, did he look good. Like I mean, he just looked like not only motivated but you know bouncing the right ways reading reading the blocking the right way i mean catching the ball no there had been some issues as i recall earlier in the season where you know he and stafford really hadn't been able to connect on some of those screen passes but it, those were perfect i mean that was about as close to a perfect game for kyron williams uh as you get and i, I know jordan from reading your column how much it, it meant to him yeah, it's just you could tell the, just the passion and the joy that he plays the game with. I, I do want to say, too, I think what also helped Rich, and you'll probably be able to weigh in on the advanced analytics of this, but the bone uniforms, you know. The, oh, yes, <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> you know, Jordan, drop me back to my childhood, you know, the the. <laughs> Thanksgiving weekend, you finish off the leftovers and then you settle in to watch the team in all black play the team in all bone. Just, just brought brought back what so a throwback. many what a throwback. memories. Wow, but what a throwback! Yeah, yeah I look, think look good, play good. As yeah, they say. and yeah. you know, I I did promise several people on uh you know longtime diehard subscribers and listeners, I did promise them I would tee you up on a on a uniform comment, Rich, because this was the Rich Hammond game for sure. They ran the ball extremely effectively, very very well, and then also wore a specific a very specific uniform that I know. You have lots of opinions and, and takes on and have been tracking the pantalytics oh of, of such a uniform. But in, back to Kyron Williams. I mean, you can't help but be happy for this guy when you hear him talk about football and talk about the game. What I thought was so illuminating was the diversity that he acknowledged within the run game. They were running a lot of gap scheme stuff, yes, but they were also running outside and mid zone, which you saw. And the outside and mid zone... 
uh, combined with the gap scheme, which is obviously a little bit more uh, between the tackle style and, and a little bit more of that power uh, downhill style of running, um, you you could see how the mixture of it set up their screen game. And I'll get to the screen game here in a minute, but you could see the misdirection that the run was presenting, not just the fact that the run was presenting a ton of play action opportunities, but the run, the diversity of the run was also setting up other parts of the field because they had such of a mixture of what they were able to do with that run game. And I think that's where Kyron Williams is really special is he really understands what he is supposed to do, how he's supposed to set up the second level. He he likes the mid zone. He likes the wide zone. He's talked about that. What he really loves is the gap scheme where it makes sense to him where he's supposed to go because of the line, the line and the tight ends. They set, they set up certain blocks and it's his job to fool the linebacker. And that's exactly what he prefers to do. He likes setting those players up. It also is why he loves the screens because that also a lot of times is him setting up a linebacker or a, a dropped safety or um, even an outside linebacker in certain cases. And that those are things that he really, really likes to do. And, and the reason he talked about that so glowingly is because it is a huge effort to build and have that type of depth and dimension within your run game. And it takes a deeper roster than just the the top 11 guys that the Rams have been playing with for much of this season and a very, very top heavy just 11 guys that they were playing with last season. It takes the depth of having multiple tight ends on the roster who can help with some of that blocking surface that was really previously only pretty much assigned to Tyler Higby, who is banged up, by the way. And, and hasn't been on the injury report and is playing through, you know, all the things that he's dealing with, but it's clearly affecting his game and, and what he's able to do as a blocker. And so the Rams, they take, they take a step back and they say, okay, Davis Allen and Hunter Long, you guys are also on the roster. Hey, what do you know? Like, you guys seem to have some talent. They definitely have the size. So getting them involved in the blocking surface and really installing that over the last two weeks um, and then the last week with Hunter Long being back and activated off of uh, reserve with assistant uh, coach Nick Cayley, the tight ends coach, who and, and Ryan Wendell, who's working with the screen game a lot, and really integrating them into the blocking surface. Because as we know, as we've talked about, the Higby runs where he's sifting across the line into the front side of the blocks, that helps disguise a lot of their duo plays. That moves people in the background, in the, in the, uh, in the backfield on the other side. And it, it makes it it, it almost is like manipulating like the same way that motion rules do in the pass game. It's almost manipulating defenders that way, but just in the run game. And so having more than one tight end who's doing that becomes less of a tell for when that tight end is aligned somewhere. Now you're accounting for all the different things that multiple players who you don't really have a scout on are able to do. You're you're also getting fresh legs in there. You're, you're spelling much like uh, Sean McVay compared it last night. I asked him about this. He compared it to um, the way that they did use Royce Freeman as sort of a steadying presence, a really stable, really functional presence in spelling Kyron Williams a couple of times. It wasn't a true one-two rotation. Obviously, the lion's share of the work went to Kyron Williams and the production, the lion's share of that went to, went to Kyron Williams. But Royce Freeman rushed for 5.9 yards per carry, a very cool and collected 77 yards and a touchdown. And he did it with this presence, this stability, this smoothness that was so necessary, not just to keep the offense rolling the way that it was, 
but also to integrate this sort of um, rest period and get fresh legs back on the field. And you saw that. You saw that with the tight ends. It not only directly added dimension and layers for the defense to account for in the run blocking surface, but Davis Allen converted a key third down and Tyler Higby was fresh in the red zone as a red zone passing target, as a threat, as a guy who scored two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns he scored all season, by the way. Um, both of those came on on Sunday, and you could really see the functionality and the difference when they're not just leaning on, you know, three, four guys of a of a very top heavy eleven starters, but a lot of different players getting involved, not necessarily in starting roles, but in key and critical foundational rotational pieces and and roles that that really help this offense function and sustain sustain being the key element. And I think that that was super, super interesting. And, and, and going back to Kyron, it, it helps the running back just as the running back is helping the team with what he's able to do and, and how he's able to run and the energy that he brings. That also helps the running back. It's like we always say, hey, just because your quarterback can make every throw doesn't mean he should have to. And it's the same thing with the running back. Just because your running back is capable of, of putting up yardage like this doesn't mean that you don't also have to help him out and set him up for the best possible sustained success. Um, being the keyword. And I will add, it was um, notable to those of us up in the press box, and I wrote this in my column, that Tyler Higby was producing the way that he was producing because, uh, as you guys know, inactives are released by the team, by the team spokespeople, to the media corps with 90 minutes to go before kickoff. And Tyler Higby was mistakenly listed as an inactive player, which caused a slight stir up top with us because we were like, oh, my God, he wasn't on the injury report. What's going on? And of course, we're putting the information out there. It's breaking news at that point. And then quickly, very, very quickly, a Rams spokesperson rushed to correct that. But not before all of the fantasy football and all of the betting sites and everybody oh, no. had latched onto it. And of course, it was causing this this mild stir throughout the the football universe. And so then, of course, they rushed to correct it. And then, you know, that the, we we did recognize the irony in that. Okay, Tyler Higby, who has no idea any of this is happening, by the way, <laughs> goes out and scores two touchdowns almost immediately in this game. Um, it was. It was almost a subconscious reminder of like, oh, yes, I actually am active today, by the way. Quite active, as yeah. it were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just a fascinating. I mean, you, you look at a Rams uh, game in which they score, you know, a season high 37 points. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Cooper Cup off the jump there, but it was not a game where you were dominated by Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Um, and in fact, those guys were very complimentary. I mean, you even look at, uh, you know, a guy like Tutu Atwell. And and I mean, that's something that I, I should probably say it just just directly. I mean, the 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 role that he has been able to find within this offense I will fully admit is not one that I knew that he could achieve um, or and or that the Rams would be able to work with him to achieve. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that that goes cuts both ways, um, but he is not a gadget player anymore. And I, I know that's been evident to, to people who watch the Rams every week, but he now has a role and, and a function within that offense to where he can make plays within the context of what they're trying to do on the drive. So you look at his, you know, three catches for 76 yards and then not to be underestimated either the, the role that he can play. You mentioned Royce Freeman, 13 carries, 77 yards. Uh, Tyler Higby five catches on five targets, only twenty nine yards, but two big touchdowns. So it was fascinating to me, Jordan. It kind of kind of slapped me in the face, even though I already knew this. 
Uh, but it, uh, mentioning during the broadcast that the Rams are now uh, 4-0 when they score 25 or more points. And you look at it and you think about this Rams team and and how they're built and you think, well, 25 points, that should be an easy barrier to 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 cross. And it, it really hasn't been for this team this year. So for any team, I, I mean, scoring is down across that's the true. entire league. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. Um, so I, I'm just wondering going forward, like I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, people are starting as, oh, the Rams are one game out of a playoff spot. All the, eh, it's it's a little early to, to get into that stuff. I mean, like I said, there's still five and six. There's a lot that can go on. But I'm looking at this offense, Jordan, and, and we, we never know what's going to happen here. Like anything can change from week to week. But like. Let's say Matthew Stafford stays stable with the with with the thumb. You know, every, everything hangs on there. You know, you, you keep these guys generally healthy. They've got some stability on the offensive line now. They got. It, it, do you feel like this can be kind of a momentum can start to rebuild here so that it's not just a struggle to get to 20 points every week? I mean, is that I'm not saying you're going to promise anything here, but like, is that potential now to where they can start building some momentum there with that offense? I think so. I think we've seen what what Matthew Stafford pointed to. And again, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but it was a lot of it actually went back to gutting out a really ugly win against Seattle two weeks ago. Um, That was a game that uh, a young team, a team that had the showing that it did against Pittsburgh, a team that had the showing on that day in in, uh, Green Bay, that dreadful, dreary, sleep filled day uh, in in Green Bay. Um, Those that team is a team that loses a game like that one in Seattle. Um, and, and I think that instead they sort of, they gutted out this and it was not pretty. There was a lot wrong with it. We, I went over this in my column. I talked about it at length in last week's episode of 11 personnel, but it was, um, it was one of those that I think there was a, a moral victory to the ugly win as well of like, okay, this is what it feels like to gut out one of these really awful feeling wins. Okay. And then there's a toughness that comes with that and a resilience. And Sean McVay said that he and the coaching staff challenged the Rams team to their, their, their roster to uh, just take things one week at a time and look at the week right in front of them and try to win the week. Um, It's really interesting. I heard that actually uh, that, that golden state warriors after winning so many championships, they started using that as a, as a mantra inside their building, which is just win this week. Because there's so many weeks in a row and there's so many things to think about and there's so many things that they're trying to, to learn and grow. In the in the Warriors case, they're trying to su- sustain a level of, of excellence that obviously they'd achieved uh, year after year after year. In the Rams case, it's they're trying to um, build this roster and really grow piece by piece and not skip any steps this time. I think you could argue that because of all the success that they had the last the first uh, five years or so of Sean McVay's coaching head coaching tenure, they skipped a lot of steps in terms of they were winning. So you can skip steps, right? Like you yeah. don't, you're not being punished for that in real time. But in hindsight, the aftershock of that, you can be punished if you don't realize what steps that it was that you skipped. And I think that this is a Rams team that's very adamant not to to skip any of those lessons or to to just kind of skim by or, or read the Cliff's Notes version of, of anything that they're trying to accomplish. That's very, very clear in the type of work that they're you see them putting in this late in the season. This is not a group. This is a group that's like in, you know, the natural, this is football. It's like, you're getting hit by a car 40 times a game. Um, so obviously there's pain. People are banged up. People are tired, all this stuff, but mentally you don't feel that fatigue in that building. Um, you feel more of that resolve of, okay, what's next. Okay. What's next versus 
this time last year, you just felt like everybody was just done, right? Yeah. I am very, very reminiscent this time this year of what it felt like in there last year. And, and it is night and day, could, could not be more different in terms of um, everybody just was almost in shock and just done, just mentally broken there last year. And, and a lot of the players weren't even really in the building or around that much because so many of them were on injured reserve or they were always in treatment or they were, um, and, and you know, Sean McVay was going through what he went through. And it was just all of this stuff was happening. This year, It's it could not be more opposite or more juxtaposed to what that feeling was last year. And it's interesting because there is such a resolve of, of getting better. And I think that, so that starts in terms of, uh, you know, playoffs, whatever, but like it's in that, that momentum or inertia, I think that started last week. And I think they carried some of that excess energy for the positive into, uh, this week against an inferior opponent. I don't think anyone's arguing that the Cardinals were their toughest test that they'll face. They'll face a much tougher one in Cleveland with or without depending on, even depending on what Miles Garrett's status is, that defense is badass. They're going to face a really tough test next week um, in Cleveland. So it's 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 more about kind of focusing on, for them, the week at hand. And you hear this when Sean McVay's sort of breaking down the huddle. Take it one week at a time. Don't change. Don't change. Um, in terms of don't change your mindset. Don't change your mentality. Um, but I think it's it when you run the ball like this, um, that does – I think people will often, in hindsight, simplify it down to – well, look what happened when the Rams ran the ball like this, and that solved everything. It does make everything easier. Cooper Cup said it himself. It does make so much of what they want to do easier when they are able and willing, keyword willing, <laughs> to, to run the ball like that. But I also want to point to another element of their offense that I, I really wanted to touch on, Rich, that they implemented that you can't, you hear me, please, guys, when I'm saying this, you can't do this every week. <laughs> You do this against specific looks that the defense is giving you. Um, you do this against specific contours and, and holes that you see. And you also do this when you are effectively implementing the type of diversity in the run game that we talked about at the start of this episode, where you're running wide, you're also running inside, you're doing a lot of different things, stretching horizontally as well as vertically up the middle with some of the gap stuff. And that's the screen game. And Rich... I know you're watching that game and all of a sudden you think it's maybe a run play up the side. And then all of a sudden you go back to the replay and I know you're saying, oh, Kyron Williams caught the ball and ran down the sideline with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved it. And and again, maybe I'm misremembering and maybe it was a, a different player, but but I remember that just being a little bit off on those screen passes earlier in the season. I think it was that Kyron, was, yep, wasn't it? That was them. That was Yeah, the yeah. And and so it just again, it just kind of circles back to where we started at the beginning because everything just seemed to be in in that flow like you were talking about. Everybody was on the on the same page in a rhythm there. You know, Kyron's looking for the ball, he's active, he's you know, prepared and Stafford makes the throw, puts the ball right where it should be. The blocking is as it should be. And it was just kind of like, yeah, that's how it should look. Um, and and I loved it. And again, they were plays where I just went uh, there. Sometimes when you sit there, you know, I sit there watching a game and I think, oh, this could be a screen pass or oh, this could be that. And the, the number of times that I was kind of surprised by it, like, oh, they threw a screen pass there and, and it worked. Um, it tells to me that that's that's a play caller doing his job because, he, you know, he's keeping people off balance, not giving them uh, what they expected. And, and I thought that that was a really uh, a nice job there jordan I, I just want to reiterate exactly what you said even as the 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 
uh, senior vice president of the Run Game Enthusiast <laughs> Club, um, I wholly agree with you. It's it's not it's not simply. And I it, as much as I say they need to run the ball more, I would never sit here and say, oh well, geez, if the Rams just ran the ball forty times a game, they'd be seventeen and zero. I don't think that. I don't think anybody thinks that. I think that's a dumb idea uh, for anybody to do the, uh, the NFL, any any sport really all about those balances are you hitting the balances the right way are you keeping the defense guessing what they're doing sometimes that does mean running the ball 40 mm -hmm. times potentially yep. other times it doesn't other times it means 10 times and throwing screen passes and play action and whatever it may be so those times when i get frustrated and i know some other times uh fans get frustrated it's when you see that that balance kind of getting out of whack and and you feel like that mixing in a little bit more of that run game could help but this game i had zero i I don't know. I, I don't I don't I hate making sweeping uh, judgments, but I mean, it's hard for to re hard for me to remember uh, a, a game that was just better called. And again, I'm not talking about opponent. I'm not nothing to do with Arizona. Like, don't don't misread what I'm saying. I'm just purely talking about the play calling and, and the execution thereof. Um, I, I thought it was at a very high level. And if they can continue that. Uh, I have to say, Jordan, I was a little when when I saw Kyron come back in the game in the fourth quarter, I was kind of like, what? what are you doing there? Like, like you want to keep this guy on the field? And I think they had him out there to like pick up a third down or something. I'm like, yeah, OK, you're winning by 20 some points. You can probably give him a little bit of a rest. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess the, just the question here and it's really the question for the whole season is, is sustainability. And, and can you, can you maintain that? I, I will just conclude by saying, Jordan, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, people are going to hear talking on TV. Oh, playoffs, one game out. I am not really looking at that. Like I, I'm not really looking at like, Oh, are they going to finish five and one or four and two? Are they going to make the playoffs? I think it's exactly what you're talking about. You're trying to build here. Like, and, and I'm talking about not only on the field, but in the locker room, leadership, whatever, this is about building toward the off season, toward next season. And I've been in those, I wasn't in that locker room last year, but I've been in those exact locker rooms that you're talking about where you just come in at the end of the season and it's like, man, no, but everybody's upset. Nobody wants to be here. Everybody wishes, you know, things had gone a different way. You don't want that feeling because that's something that players take with them to the off season. Uh, you, they try to flush it as quickly as they can, but it stays with you. You want to build that positivity, even if this doesn't end up being a playoff season. You want guys to come away feeling good. You want coaches to look at the roster and say, hey, we've got stuff there. We've got things that we can work with and, and build for next year. Right now, they've got it. They seem to have temporarily at least captured that in a, in a little glass jar. Uh, but I, I guess just the big question is how they can do it over the over the next month here. Yeah, it's two games. It's they won both games in a way that I think uh, two very different ways. Um, and, and specifically with what I think if we're going to just like boil it all down to something really simple of Sunday's win against Arizona, regardless of the opponent, they had the right strategy for the way that they're being played. And Matthew Stafford said this uh, of Arizona's defense that they were playing super deep to short on their play action passes. And the Rams gave them a reason to. There was a 45, 42, 45 yard pass downfield to Tutu Atwell, who got behind the defense. It was a beautiful throw. It was a really great catch. It was a tough catch to make. And it it gave Arizona a reason to play their play action deep to short. Okay. So what they started doing was they used, they built off of the diversity that the run game that they already had in the run game that we talked about at the beginning of the show, 
mid zone, wide zone, gap scheme, a lot, a little bit of power mixed in there. All of those different types of things that were stretching the defense, even if it was within the box or just outside the box, really stretching and manipulating the things, giving them the defense more to think about, more to look at, more places that they had to move, more space that they had to account for, more players inclusive to the rotating tight ends that they had to account for in various parts of the blocking surface. And they started widening that out. They widened it out to... Um, excuse me, they started expanding out the playbook is a better way to put it. Expanding out the playbook to what a lot of people consider to be a really simple, simple play, a screen, which is actually not a simple play. It's all timing and athleticism and the quarterback setting up the rush and, and all these different things, right? But they did this also in a variety of different ways. They play, they had screen passes out of shotgun, out of play action, um, they had catch and run checkdowns that were actually screens, but they were just disguised as checkdowns out of the backfield, out of play action. They were doing all kinds of things with their screen game. Here's a crazy stat. Like, and Matthew Stafford did a really great job managing that. They picked their spots to bait the defense. And once the defense adjusted to what the Rams were doing, they had a counter punch ready to go. That was not just a pass game having to be perfect was not just a run game running against a brick wall a million times. It was a diverse and layered playbook that yeah. was called really effectively and efficiently and set players up for success in every single phase, and the players executed extremely well. 25 of Stafford's 33 pass attempts were for 10 yards or less. He completed wow. 23 of those 25, including three of four of his touchdowns, nine of those 25 Pass attempts, all of those completions were at or behind the line of scrimmage, including a touchdown, 129 of Matthew Stafford's 229 passing yards on Sunday were yards after the catch. Mm. That is nuts. That yeah. is everything working together and punishing a defense in a way that can be explosive if it is, again, kept and, and called in a diverse and efficient manner. And I think that's where... I praise Sean McVay on this. That's where, of course, I praise all the players on this because it's not just that they were running these plays. It was that they were disguising them. They were mixing up the pre-snap looks. They were baiting the defense with other things that they're capable of doing and instead counter-punching in a way that was extremely punishing and effective. And I think that when you can play football like that, it's not about running the ball is great, passing the ball is great. It's not about either one of the two. It's about keeping things multiple and diverse and and um and, and asserting in that way and doing so as an aggressive play caller, which for the most part through this game, Sean McVay was. And I think that that when you have a a team that understands what that feels like to do it in this way, it's not going to work like this every time. But the but the overall plot, the overall summary of what this was, a very diverse, even though it looks. On the stat sheet, when you just take those simple stats, it looks, oh, they won They won on a bunch of screens. Wow. That's not what it was. It was an extremely diverse run game. It was a diverse screen game that also had the capability of stretching the field to pull the defense a little bit deeper so that they could punish in their screen. It was getting those yards after the catch. It was linemen and tight ends blocking in a super effective and sound and timing efficient and athletic manner. It was all of the things that, in Sean McVay's words, they're hunting up, you know, as as a team, <laughs> but a, a simple and effective and assertive game plan that included a lot of diversity 
And I think that, you know, again, you can't play this way every time against opponents. It's not going to work. Right. Everyone's going to play you differently. But against this opponent, they they not only had the right plan, they executed it extremely well to the point where no phase of this no phase of this team had to play perfectly in order to win. In fact, all of the mistakes, the missed kicks, the field goals, the interceptions basically got completely spackled over because right. they were so effective and productive in in at least two other phases um and then their defense playing the way that it did and it just this was complimentary football it was it really was yeah i i agree 100 jordan and the only thing that i would i would tack on to that is just staying with it too because i mean i started this episode talking about how i felt like the rams were in control you know basically the entire time however i mean this was you, you look at it i mean they went down eight to seven uh, with five minutes left in the first quarter, they trailed for um, the rest of the first quarter and much of the second quarter also. And then they did take the lead, but they were only up six then for much of the game. They weren't, when I say in control, they certainly weren't in control on the scoreboard. And that could have been a situation. And I think we've seen situations in the past where, you know, the play caller can get a little bit antsy or whatever. And, it, oh, it's a close game or we're trailing and we got to do something different or we got to you know, they, they stuck with it even even in, and it showed it, it proved itself out eventually where that gap in the scoreboard just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, they just stuck with it for four quarters. And, and I thought that that bore fruit uh, as they went along. So, yeah, I mean, again. It's we, we've said it throughout. It's Arizona. You know, nobody's making, but but it's it's the process to me. We talk the about that all stands. the time. The point stands. The point. process it, stands. Yeah. <laughs> it's the process to me. It's it's not obviously we look at the results or whatever, but it's it's the process that was impressive to me more so than than beating the Arizona Cardinals by twenty three points or whatever it, may, it might have been. So um, anyway, very interesting. Cleveland game will be super, super interesting to watch uh, and, and you know, is a little bit of, the, of that barometer. See, see how things go there. Uh, Jordan, really excited uh, for, for your coverage and everything that we've got going. Didn't even get to mention. I wanted to mention your Aaron Donald story oh, um, so pe people can go. But 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 Jordan, oh, my gosh, the perfect segue. You know, I didn't even intend to mess <laughs> to, to mention this. Your timing on this episode could not be more perfect in every way, Rich. No, oh, good. good. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even intend to, to mention this. So we hardly ever mention it. But uh, but uh, depending on when you're listening to this episode, we are recording Monday and the, and the company, The Athletic, is still having our Black Friday sale that runs through uh, Monday. So if you haven't already subscribed, I would encourage you to go pick out whichever Jordan Rodriguez story that you like and uh, subscribe uh, through that uh, on Monday. Uh, if you're listening on Tuesday or after, I still got good news for you. <laughs> uh, you can you can read uh, Jordan's great game column, read her Aaron Donald story, uh, everything that's out there. There's a, there's a ton of it and there's a ton more to come. You can go. You're not going to believe this. You can go to theathletic.com the, the slash 11 personnel for yourself, for all the loved ones in your family with the holiday season coming up, and you can get a full year of subscriptions to The Athletic. And along with that, Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, if you missed the super, super discount of this the athletic wide uh, Black Friday sale. You could still, anytime you subscribe to the athletic through the 11 personnel podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. We got a heavy run game. We had bone uniforms. We have a discount, a double discount special. This was, we had kicker talk. This was the quintessential Rich Hammond episode. Rich, so glad to have you back on 11 personnel today. You guys, uh, I will see you guys next week. It is, again, this will be a much more challenging opponent here coming up. 
Um, but in the meantime, I hope you are staying caffeinated. Hope you're staying hydrated. Hope you're taking care of yourselves and, of course, of each other. Catch you next time. Mm-hmm.